This podcast is presented to you by Pastors Tom and Bonnie DeShal from Celebration Church in Harare, Zimbabwe. For more information, please visit celebrationmen.org. Today's message is TBA. We shall see you at 5 o'clock. But seriously, that's the title of today's message. When we see TBA, we know to be advised. That's what that means. And I just want to break that down by the word of God, especially in light of what he's promised us in this season and what Pastor Tom has been ministering in the past few weeks. So if you have your Bibles with you, if you could open to Isaiah 9, verses 6 to 7. Oh, by the way, as you open your Bibles, I just want to correct something. B, that man was advertised as happening this coming weekend. It's actually happening on the 28th. So please note that correction. Be that man will be on the 28th. And I especially want to congratulate the ladies. Uh, I was not there, but I gather Roots was absolutely phenomenal yesterday. Um, So ladies, congratulations on, uh, you know, on your first session of of Roots. Uh, May you keep growing and may it get better and better and glorify God as you continue to grow. Have you found found Isaiah 9 yet? Verses 6 to 7. I'm going to read the passage of Scripture. It says to us, For unto us a, a child is born, and unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Say, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over, the ki- over his kingdom to order and to establish it with judgment and justice from this time forward even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts has established this. Then I want you to turn to another piece of scripture. It's in Luke 8, verses 18 to 22. And if you there, say, aha. If you're not there, say, oh my. Okay. So here we go. I hear pages turning. Luke 8 from verses 18 to 22. It says this, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, to recovery of sight to the blind, to set to liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. This is Jesus speaking and he's quoting from Isaiah 61. And then he says in verse 20, then he closed the book and gave it to the attendant and sat down. All the eyes of all were in the synagogue were on him. And he began to say to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So all bore witness to him and marveled at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth, and then they said, is this not Joseph's son? I want you to know, right from the beginning in Genesis, God's idea of the earth, of of man on earth, was always a big idea. God's idea, God's thought of man on earth was big. 
And even when he speaks of his son returning to the earth or his son coming to the earth to redeem this mandate after man had fallen, he was thinking big. He was thinking Jesus being the savior of all the earth. Jesus being the savior of all the world. In 1 John 4, verse 14, it says this, we have seen and testify that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. The vision was that earth would be a domain that is an extension of heaven. The vision was always that earth would be fully subdued under God's rule. And Jesus said this in John 12, verse 32. He said, and if I be lifted on the earth, I will draw all men unto me. Matthew 24, verse 12 to 14 says this, and because lawlessness, lawlessness was abound, and the love of many had grown cold, but he who endures to the end shall be saved. And the gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations, and then the end will come. The gospel of the kingdom will be preached as a witness to all nations, and then the, world, the, the end will come. God's idea, God's thoughts have always been, will continue to be big. He thinks big. The vision he established for the earth was that it would be an extension of the kingdom of God. How will this happen? Well, Jesus would later reveal the pattern but we see that even though God thought so big, God thought of dominion over the earth, God thought of his kingdom being established on the earth, God thought of uh, his rule permeating all the earth, permeating all nations, his kingdom, his gospel being preached in all nations. We see that he started with one man. And when sin filled the earth, he turned to another man, Noah, when he wiped out all men from the earth with the flood. And when he wanted to birth a nation of faith, separate a nation unto himself, a nation of kings and priests, a nation, a royal people, he turned to one man, Abraham, who became the father of faith. And to redeem man, to re as Pastor Tom said to us last week, to redeem us unto himself, pay the ultimate price of sin and death, he turned to one man. And that was his son, Jesus Christ, who came from heaven and took the form of man when he walked the earth, one man. So Jesus, when he walked the earth, knew this mission. He knew the way his father operated. He knew his father's thoughts and desires. He knew what his father wanted to fulfill. And then he declared, when he walked the earth, that I only do 
what I see my father do. I want you to think about this. If you come with a global mandate to take all the earth, to be the savior of the whole world, and you have the power and the, and the, and the backing behind you to do it at the click of a finger, like we're reading, maybe it's the press of a button. One nuclear bomb would make you a superpower. A, 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 a superpower. Was it too much for the children of Israel when they read from the prophets, prophet after prophet about a savior, a messiah coming? Was it too much for them to expect that you'd come with a huge army? That you'd come with the latest weaponry? That you'd come and annihilate all their enemies and in one swoosh, one battle, the whole earth would be subdued. But Jesus didn't come that way. Because in the beginning, his father didn't create that way. He could have spoken the word, and so it was. But his father put seed in one man. And when Jesus came, and, you know, his father did that, and he built relationship with that man. And when Jesus came on earth, he didn't come fighting. He came and poured his life out intimately into 12 men. Think about that. The master plan of heaven to taking over the whole earth, establishing kingdom rule, was for God himself to come down and build relationship with man. And he didn't do it to the whole cluster. Twelve men. And Jesus did it for three years. And he checked out. He said it is done. It is finished. Luke 8 verse 10 says this. The disciples asked Jesus, why do you speak to the people in parables? And he said this to them in response. He said the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God have been given to you, those that walk intimately with me. To the rest, they hear them as stories. Those of us that are disciples of Christ, the mysteries of the kingdom of God have been revealed to us. He promises that. To the rest, they hear them as stories. They say, oh, he's one of the prophets. Oh, he's a religious figure. But not so. Jesus would come and lay down his life, pour himself into these 12 men. He ate with them, taught them, prayed with them, played with them. He did life with these 12 men. He then goes on to say before he leaves the earth, he says a new commandment I give you, that you are to love one another as I have loved you. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples. So Jesus came from a father 
who thinks big, has big thoughts, plans towards us, plans towards the earth, and the strategy for the implementation of those plans is to come and build deep relationships with you and I. Jesus was not so big, even though he came from God and was God, that he would not pay attention to a woman at the well. He would not pay attention to Zacchaeus in the tree. It reveals something about this pattern that Jesus showed when he walked the earth, when he commanded us that we shall be known by our love for one another. We shall be known by how we relate with one another. We shall be known by our relationships. It's in our word of the year, in Hebrews 10. That's why he says, that's why this is so important. He says, let us consider how we may spur one another towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as we see the day approaching. Think about for a second God's strategy for dominion on the earth. Think about it. He had big plans, big vision, And yet, when God himself walks the earth, his strategy of implementing his big thoughts, his big desires, is to build deep relationships. Jesus poured himself out into 12 men and then charged them to do the same. He says, go into the world, go into all the earth and make disciples of men baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. He promised them and he says, I'll be with you. The same thing you've seen me do, go and do. Just like the same thing I saw my father do, I did when I walked the earth. The 2018 word, Pastor Tom says this, he says the key to the success, keys to success in this season is community relationships through self. This is the pattern God used to fulfill dominion on the earth, to fulfill his plans on the earth, relationships, deep, meaningful relationships with him. Then he also says the second most important commandment is deep, meaningful relationships with one another. You and I shall love our neighbor as we love ourselves. So if we were to follow Jesus' pattern, even though we may have big plans for our lives, even though we may have a big vision for something we may want to accomplish, to execute it, we've got to come down and build deep, meaningful relationships. It is fallacy that you hear things like someone is self-made. What does self-made mean? Did they just pop up? 
self-made millionaire, self-made billionaire. Well, firstly, it took two people getting together for them to be here. So that's a fallacy. And their millions didn't just fall out of heaven. They probably employed someone, got help from someone, built with someone. So what does self-made mean if it were not for a lie of the devil? But to get to these big plans, we see that Jesus not only built deep relationships, but he acted small. First, he didn't just come to everyone when he walked the earth. He says, I've only been sent to the lost sheep of Israel. Wow. He walked, healed, delivered only amongst the Israelites. And then those Gentiles that reached out to him in faith, he healed as well. The savior of the world with such a big mandate comes to one tiny little nation. But he saw his father do that to establish a covenant with man on earth again. God found one man, Abraham, to work through and establish the nation of Israel. He was only doing what he saw his father do. Jesus was not too big in his mandate, like I mentioned before, to walk past a woman at the well. To reach out to blind Bartimaeus. To cause the curse down from the tree. Jesus is not too big to act small to reach you. As Pastor Tom said last week, if you were the only person left in the world, you'd still go to the cross for you. Because the big plan, the, the big idea, the big thoughts that he saw his father have, he saw his father come down and build deep with one man. You are not insignificant. God can and will stop heaven and earth to reach you. Luke 15 speaks of the parables of the lost coin, the lost sheep, and the lost son. The lost coin, even though the woman had other coins, but because the one coin was lost, she wasn't too big to drop everything she had to look for that lost coin. The good shepherd, even though he may have a hundred sheep, when one gets lost, is not too big to stay amongst the 99, but comes down to the level of the one sheep, leaves the 99 to look after, to look for the one. The father whose son goes prodigal does not consider himself too big because of his vast wealth and his possessions 
and his children, other children at home, to stand out every day and look out for his one son that's lost. And Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like this. God is not too big to be small for you. To come down to where you are and reach out to you in love. Reach out to me in love. Reach out to us in love. And I don't want to just say come on us. I want you to think about you. God will act small for you. God in his wonderful power and his artillery and his, his, his uh, omnipresence and all-knowingness will come down to minister to you where you're at. Think about that. In all his grand plans for the earth, he desires to build deep with you. And to do that, you'll come down and act small at your level because he loves you. That's why God got so angry with Saul. God lifted Saul from the least of the least of the least of the least in the tribe of Benjamin. And one day Saul got so big in his thinking, he was too big to obey God. And God said to him, have you forgotten when you were small in your own eyes? So the Bible exalts us, do not forget the day of small beginnings. God never wants us to be too big to think we're self-made. God never wants us to be too big to think, oh, I'm the holy pastor. I can walk past the congregant. Oh, oh, I am the holy so-and-so. I can forget the person, the one person. Because if God can stop just for the one person, just for the one person, Lot, that Abraham cried for, God moved and held the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah to, to bring Lot out. What more can he do for you? But more importantly, let's think about this. What could you do for someone else? Have you become too big for the one person that God thinks about? You know what? This, this convicts me as well. Because we are like that. We are so focused on big ideas and big things, we cannot come down to the level of reaching our one child as parents. You've gone quiet. You see, we want to give our children things, but not our hearts. We treat our children 
as part of a crowd, when God looks at them uniquely. Many of us have our priorities out of sync. We will pay the price for the process of wealth, but not pay the price for the process of reaching our children. We will pay the price of sending our children to earthly school, but not pay the price of schooling them in what's eternal. We will sell our houses to sell, send them to the best universities in a foreign land we've never been to. And yet we will not pay the price for them to spend life in eternity. And I'm not saying an education is bad. I'm saying if that is the priority, it's out of sync. We will pay the price for our children to have big things, spend hours upon hours working, toiling, but not diarize and spend time with them. And God says, even though I am the author of time, even though I am big, I still have time to be small for you. Why won't you be small for what I've entrusted to you? I counsel parents who are selling their children's souls to the devil. And when you count your bill, you'd have probably spent some three, four, two hundred thousand dollars to sell your child's soul to the devil. That's what school fees is. <laughs> if the priority is not right, that's what school fees is. If your child does not have the balance to come back to solid biblical teaching and put the earthly teaching in that context, you are selling your child to the devil and you are paying the price. He's paying you nothing for it. And the house you've put up on mortgage to put, send them to college, shame on you. Knowledge is good. Education from on high is better. To have both is best. God is wanting to teach us to value process aright. And I'm speaking to myself this morning. If I'm budgeting for an education for my kids every month, but I fail to budget time to pour in the secrets of the kingdom into them, I'm a failure. I'm kidding myself. You see, God is so secure in himself, 
He is in no hurry as we are. Time is not running out for God. He is time. He will not violate himself for the fulfillment of a promise. He is true to his word. So God will not violate for the fulfillment of the promise that he will uh, have dominion on the earth, that Christ is the savior of the, of the world, that this gospel will be preached in all the earth, in all nations, and then the end will come. God will not violate that promise. He will not look at the promise and make it more the main issue above building a relationship with you. Did you hear that? He will not say, I'm running out of time to fulfill this mandate. So let me overlook people and just boom, the whole world and I'm ruling. No. He will still come down for the one person. The Bible says we are made in his image and likeness. The pattern of dominion on earth is the same. There's no shortcuts. When we make the promise more valuable than the relationships we're building, we're violating God's principles already. When you and I get up and go and pursue the promise of a business more than we pursue the relationships of the people we're in, in covenant with, the relationship with my wife, the relationship with my children, God says, I don't build that way. There are no shortcuts. The father of shortcuts is the devil. He is the one that can overlook process to get to a promise. He started it in heaven when he overlooked relationship with God to exalt himself in pride, to want now. He does the same. And we call it a fancy world called temptation. He wants you to have now, at the expense of relationship, what God has promised. He'll promise you pleasure now, outside of marriage. And you say, oh, you can just have it. It's nice. And if you're a woman, you, you think to yourself, well, maybe if I give him, you'll give me what's promised, the marriage. No! A conversation with the devil never leads to anything good. Because the devil's KRAs are to steal, kill, and destroy. So a conversation with him will never lead to anything good. It will never, if I give him a little, maybe I'll get some. No, that's a lie. If I taste a little, maybe I'll know what it's like in the real. No, that's a lie. And Jesus gave us the blueprint 
of coming out of this. Because in the day that Jesus was anointed from on high and God said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased, the devil was there to tempt him. To give him a shortcut to the promise. So the process would be ignored. He says, while you're hungry, it's an easy, quick fix for hunger. Instant gratification. You turn these stones into bread. He says, no, man shall not live on bread alone, but every word that comes out of the relationship, relationship. I will not forsake relationship for promise. Says to him, throw yourself down. Haven't the angel said they'll take charge over you and you'll not dash your foot against the stone? Says you will not tempt the Lord your God. This is, oh, okay, 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 okay. Well, you know, you're here as the savior of the world anyway, we know that. So why don't you just bow down to me and I'll give you your promise. You don't need to go through the cross. You don't need to go through people who reject you. You don't need that. Just bow down and look, 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 look. This whole world is yours. He appealed to him with sensual things. Things you could see, touch, taste, feel, hear. Yet the kingdom of God does not come by observation. It comes in the hearts of man. So Jesus said no to the transaction. That seemed like it would give him his promise quicker. But how many of you know a conversation with the devil will not lead to something good? So he said no. I've come for the hearts of man. And I will go through the process of the hearts of, to get to the hearts of man. He paid the price, as Pastor Tom said last week, to reach you. Jesus would not take a shortcut to reach you and I. He took the path of suffering to reach you and I. That's how important it was. He left heaven, took the form of man, became small like you and I to reach you and I. When he came, he laid out the, Jesus laid out the pattern for defeating the devil. Do not forsake the process to inherit the promise. Do not forsake the pro process to inherit the promise. Do not have a relationship with God only to get something from God. Have the process of having a relationship with God. And all the things you want as promised, you will have. Do not fall into the trap 
where the world says overnight success, that's nonsense. You see, pro, those that don't abide by the law of process believe you can access something in a day. This ministry is a 35-year-old overnight success. This success has taken 35 years so far. Don't fall into the trap of one day it'll get better. Nonsense. Get better today. The day of recognition is not the day of success. Tonight, a World Cup champion will be crowned. That's not their success. Their success was found in their daily activity, getting to tonight. A champion is not made in the ring. They are recognized in the ring. Because they've gone through the process of not only getting to the ring, but staying in the ring until it's done. So don't fall for the shortcut or living for the shortcut or living for one day it will get better. Take joy in the Lord. As long as it's today, find joy in the Lord because he's taking you through a process. And in that process, his prize is not your promise. His prize is not his promise. His prize is relationship with you. That's why he says, I'll never leave you, nor forsake you. Do not fall into the trap of things will work themselves out. Well, let's just send them to school. Things will work themselves out. No. Work things out. Do the work. That's why God is not as concerned about circumstances as you and I are. He's interested in the process and what we are becoming through that process. And our response to that, to the circumstances we face. That's why Pastor Bonnie says your response determines your destiny. You see, God already knows what is outlined for you and I. But you are living through the process. But he says, lo, in the process, I am with you. But when we choose to take the shortcut, do the bribe, partake of the temptation, we lose our strength. There's a dominion here on earth that God wants to extend through you. Just like he went to one man for his dominion for the whole earth, there's something that he has authored just for you to do. That's your domain. That's your dominion. And he's come down, he's brought himself from his bigness to that level of smallness to want to work through you. 
So the one who's more concerned about what you're going through is not you. It's the one who has more at stake than you. A parent. You know, our kids do the craziest things. You know, as a parent, you know what God has put in your child. You know what you've put into your child. You know what, almost have a, an understanding of what their destiny is. Or what God's called them to. And when you see them behave less than and make decisions less than you've put in them, God's called them to, they feel they're doing the right thing. Hey, Dad, you know what? There's a party. Uh, you know, all the kids are going to the party. For them, it's cool. It's nice. And they'll, they'll, they'll go to that party and something goes wrong and you see them go through the pain of that. It hurts you more as the parent because you know what you've invested. You know what's invested in them. So it is with God when he looks at us. He's not absenting himself when we're going through stuff. He's saying, man, I've got so much invested in you. I've got so much invested in this. I want to walk through this with you. There's a domain and a dominion that only you have been called to. You are his handiwork, called for, set apart for good works. You know, God doesn't violate the principle of starting with the seed. Even though we want to violate it. We want to ask him for the harvest without going through the process of the seed. But he doesn't violate it. He's faithful. And God says this. If you have faith like a mustard seed, you say to that mountain, be moved and cast into the sea and it shall be moved. And he says that to each one of us, a measure of faith has been given. I've got mustard seed here. I'd like the camera to zoom in. Zoom in, camera. Zoom in, camera. Is the camera in? Can anyone see that seed? Can you see? The, okay, zoom closer. It's there. He says, if any of you have faith like this mustard seed, you will say to your circumstance, move and be cast into the sea, and it shall be cast. Why? Because when you tap into this seed principle, when you tap into this principle of process, when you tap into this principle that yes, there's something big in me, yes, there's a big vision, but here is where we start. We start right there. He says, you tap into me. You tap into only doing what you see the Father do. And when you tap into this, you can become that. Put it up. A mustard tree. From here. Because God, in thinking big, just doesn't see this seed, but all the world sees that. And the process, wants, he wants to help you to see what he sees. 
So if you focus on the smallness of the seed and the circumstances around the seed, you cannot see what God sees. He says, all the while I'm seeing that flourishing tree, as Deacon Milton was saying, in a desert. Only tree that can, one of the only trees that can do that. Keep that picture up. He says, this faith, not to just, whatever you behold or look at, you become. If you look at your problems and you look at your circumstances long enough, you become like your problems and your circumstances. They become big in you. But God wants you and I to look at him, to look at him consistently, to see what he sees. So the Bible in Romans 5, verses 2, 5, 2 to 5 says this. It says, because, our, because of our faith, that mustard seed faith, Christ has brought us into the place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. Because of faith. The measure of faith that you and I have been given. And we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. So this faith leads to joy. This small faith that we can discount and say, oh, it's meaningless. I just want the mustard tree. He says that's what leads to joy. That's why he says we can rejoice too when we run into problems, trials. For we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character. And strength of character strengthens our, and, uh, our confident hope in salvation. And this hope will not disappoint. It will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us because he's given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts. We know how dearly God loves us when we go through process with him. Luke 4 says, when the devil had finished tempting Jesus, he left him until the next opportunity came. That means as long as we are here on earth of trials and tribulations, there's no end. But there also is no end to his faithfulness. So guess what we win? Because the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 10 verse 13, it says, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful. Say to your neighbor, God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability or beyond what you can overcome. But with temptation, he has also provided a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Let me let you know that in process, we discover God's way of escape. In partaking of the shortcut, we will never know that there was a way of escape. Whatever we yield to becomes stronger. Whatever we resist becomes weaker. With each time we resist the enemy and his temptations, he becomes weaker. Each time we yield to him, he becomes stronger. The converse is also true. Each time we resist God, he becomes weaker in our lives. Not that he's weaker. 
he becomes weaker for you in your circumstance. But each time we yield to him, we make him stronger in our circumstance. So, I want to finish off with this. Remember, our message today is TBA, which is, some say, to be advised. So put up the first one. T, think big as God does. God thinks big. B, build deep as Christ does. A, act small as the Holy Spirit does, who was poured out into each and every one's heart. Bible says that God poured out his spirit into each and he's not some foreign uh, something out there. He's with us. He walks intimately with us. He's been poured. God's in his bigness has come down and been poured out into each of us hearts that will accept Christ as their Lord and Savior. But you say no. So think big as God does. Build deep as Christ does. Act small like the Holy Spirit who's not too big to be poured in each person's heart. But you say no. TBA means to be advised. Okay. T. To God I've raised my hands and him alone. Not raise my hands to another. To him belong all the glory. B, my mission is to be like Christ. To overcome every temptation. And he has said to me, when I do that, when I become like him, I'm not just as an overcomer as he was. He says I'm more than an overcomer. A, I constantly live under the advice of the Holy Spirit. He's my counselor. He's my comforter. He's my guide. He leads me into all truth. As many as are led of the Spirit, who is so big and yet can be poured out into an individual's heart, as many as are led of the Spirit, they are the true sons of God. TBA. To be advised. Of God and of the Holy Spirit. Thanks for listening. For more teachings and videos, visit celebrationmen.org.